Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. All right, Christ Church, this is an exciting day for us as uh, Greater Things uh, wraps uh, up, and yet in a lot of ways, Greater Things just uh, keep moving, keep beginning. But we're going to uh, wrap up the series, and uh, we're going to start today uh, the way we've always started, because we want you to be clear uh, why we've been taking this time over these weeks uh, to talk about money and uh, possessions. So if you're visiting with us today, no, we don't talk about it every week, but we're not afraid to talk about it. Uh, because money and possessions are such powerful things, right? We're not doing this because somehow we want to guilt you or shame you or whatever to get more uh, money uh, out of you. Uh, we're not doing this. I heard this this week. Gee, Christchurch must really be doing diff- in difficult times and need more money. No, we're not doing it. We're doing great. God is blessing us. Uh, so we're not doing it uh, to, to somehow increase the giving and all that. Uh, but we are doing it. We absolutely are doing it because we are unafraid to talk about those things that can become significant barriers to your walk with Christ. And uh, money and possessions. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about it because they just are powerful things. And they can absolutely get in the way of your growing in Christ and walking with Him, right? And experiencing the fullness of life uh, that He uh, wants for you. It's biblical. It's true. Some of you have been in the Word. You've, you've heard this story before. A guy came up to Jesus. Young man, it says, came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I am all in. I want to follow you. I will go wherever you go. And Jesus says, great, fantastic. You have only one thing to do. Go back and sell all your possessions and come and follow me. And the story ends with a man walking away in sadness And Scripture's really clear. It says he walked away in sadness because he had many possessions. That's the way we're doing it. These things can interrupt our walk with Christ, right? So we want to just be really clear about why we're doing it. Yes, we are going to ask you today for a sacrificial gift for greater things. I've been up front about that too. That's coming. Get ready for it. Keep praying about it. If you don't want to listen to me this morning, pray about that. But uh, we're, we're going to do that. But mostly, we want you just to grow in Christ, okay? Uh, Today, we tackle one of the most difficult parts of this whole genius of generosity, and that is the topic of sacrifice. Now, the challenge for us is that when you follow Christ, so if you're you're a Christ follower, if you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, you need to know uh, that being a Christ follower is stepping into a life of sacrifice, right? That is our Identity. How do we know that? Well, Ephesians 5, uh, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus and says, Listen, Christ followers, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Notice he said everything you do. So this would apply to everything you do, including how you manage your money and your resources, right? So in everything we do, everything we do, we're supposed to reflect Uh, imitating God. And then he defines what did God do? What does God look like? What does it mean to imitate? He says, well, look, you're his dear children. So this is for Christ followers. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So we're supposed to live this love-oriented life. And what does that look like? Well, if you want to see what a love-oriented life looks like, he says, just look at the life of Christ. And he defines what that looks like. He says, he loved us and he offered himself as a... What's the word? 
sacrifice. That's what he did. That's what it looks like, right? For us, a pleasing aroma to God. So when you, when you say, yes, Jesus is Lord, you are stepping into a life of love that is simply sacrifice. Our lives are no longer our own. They belong to him. We're here for his purposes, for his kingdom, for his goal, for everything that he wants to do in and through our lives. And so we surrender our lives to him, right? We, we should get this because one of our favorite uh, Bible verses is John 3.16. How many love John 3.16? Everybody in the room almost, right? Sure, great verse. This is how God loved the world. This is what he did, even those who are far away from him, right? He did what he gave. This is what he did. He gave. This is who he is. If we imitate God, if we look like God, this is what we do. He gave. I even put the note down at the bottom. The, another translation would say it. For God loved the world so much that he gave. This is what he is. He gave. And how did he give? He gave his one and only son. What is the Bible trying to emphasize there? What he did. His giving was radical generosity. He didn't give just one of his many sons out there. He gave his one and only. See, he's trying to highlight the radical nature of the generosity God showed us in giving to us uh, his son, right? So God, in his nature, what he does, and we know this, right? This is, this is the priceless gift uh, that we all have when we receive Christ, when he takes over our life. We, you know, our past is our past. We know forgiveness. We know the joy of walking with Him. We know that when we fail and falter and do all the stupid things that we do, that He still loves us. He still forgives us. He still picks us up. He helps us to persevere and to overcome all the challenges. I mean, all that stuff of walking with Him is just a sheer gift that is absolutely priceless. And so the call on our life is to do what He does, and that is to just simply step into a life of sacrifice. Now, when it comes to our money and possessions, what does that look like, right? Big question. What does that look like in terms of our money and our possessions? The starting point for a Christ follower is to step into something the Old Testament called the tithe. You heard of the tithe, right? It is giving away that 10% of the 100% that God gives to you. Remember, we went over that in previous week. It's all His. He gives it to us. We simply manage what He gives for His purposes, His kingdom, right? And so He gives us 100%, and the call in our lives is to return uh, 10%. Now, what you need to understand, in the New Testament, according to Jesus, this is simply the starting point. That's a big distinction. This is just the starting point. For following Jesus, okay? Let me show you to it. It's Matthew 23, 23. I love it when the Bible makes it easy to remember, don't you? That's a good one. 23, 23. I got it. Okay, Matthew. Yeah, got it. Okay? Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's in controversy with the Pharisees. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. What are they doing? They're tithing, right? Little seeds even, down to the small seed. They're making sure. They're being legalistic about it, right? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. 
Now notice the next phrase. Would you say this one with me so we all get it in our heads and our hearts? Hopefully, here's what he says. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What did he just tell you? Not me. What did Jesus just tell you? You should tithe, yes. Now here's the difficulty. That's the starting point. How do we know that? You should tithe, yes, but more don't neglect other important things. Starting point and more. Do you see that? Starting point is the tithe, but we step into sacrifice of and more. If you look at Matthew 5, it confirms it. Jesus is teaching, right? And he's, again, teaching and comparing to these Pharisees and their legalistic attitude. And he says, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Other translations say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What's the point? Well, it's doing the law and more. You see that? We're supposed to exceed. There's supposed to be something beyond, something higher, something more beyond just the simple floor and beginning point, starting point of the law. Now, some of you New Testament people may be sitting there this morning and you're already running in your mind, wait a minute, I've been on the Internet, I've looked this all up, and we live under grace. We do grace giving. Yes, we do. Absolutely. We live under the Spirit. We do grace giving. But remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. He didn't say he came to negate the law. He said he came to fulfill the law. What does that mean? He, made, he came to make the law something more than just law in our lives. Prove it to you. For instance, uh, you shall not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Good law? Good law, right? Still, still a good law. But what did Jesus do with that law? He added more and said, but I say to you, you shouldn't even hate your brother. Good law, still intact, but more. You shall not commit adultery. Good law? Good law. Jesus said, and more, I say to you, you shouldn't even look lustfully at someone else. Yes, you should tithe. Good law? Good law. And more, but your righteousness should exceed, be better than, have more than that of the Pharisees and the simple law. Do you see it? What he's calling us to is to live that life of sacrifice, that life that is directed by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit. All right, let me give you an example. Try to get this out there and get it, get it real. Okay, so here's the principle. I have 10 well, $1 bills. I had to talk the guy at McDonald's out of these this morning. Right at 4.30 in the morning. Yes, they are open. Anyway, principle, <laughs> principle of the tithe, right? So I got 10 $1 bills. So all this belongs to God. He gives it to us. He gives it to me, right? And in the law, he asked me to simply return 10%, correct? Good, you with me? All right. 
I did not get these at McDonald's. I got 10 $100 bills. 10 $100 bills. He gives me all of this, and he says to me, uh, in the law, do what? Return $100 to him. Correct? I get the rest. True? All right. Any difference between this and this? No. No difference. Right? I'm at the starting point. I'm being faithful. I'm receiving everything that he gives, and I'm returning to him at the starting point what he asked me to do. Right? All right. So here's the problem. Here's the challenge. I have 10 $1 bills. I return to him what he asked me to do. Does that feel radically generous? How much do you tip the guy at the hotel that carries your bag? Does that feel radically generous? You see the principle? That's why it's simply the starting point. That's why it's just the starting point. Why the call in our lives is to step into being led by grace-giving, spirit-led giving that is willing to do the floor, the starting point, and more. This is setting ourselves free from this burden of this stuff of materialism in the world. We can let it go. We can let it go. If you listen to Paul, Paul says this is how we manage this stuff, right? But it's all part of what we do with our whole lives, right? So he says, so dear brothers and sisters, talking to Christ followers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, his radical generosity. So what? Let yourself, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, right? We, we just give what we are. And that sets us free from this burden. So what does it mean for us? Well, we get the starting point, right? But then we start there, and then we step into this radical generosity. It means we develop what the Bible calls a generous eye. We develop what the Bible calls a generous eye. It's from the book of Proverbs, book of wisdom. It says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. It's developing this attitude in us of radical generosity. That's why we talk about it every week, because it's so good for us. It's so freeing for us to develop this radical generosity, this generosity I. What does it mean? Looking for the opportunity to be generous. Got up yesterday morning. My wife uh, beat me up, and she was doing the things she does on Saturday morning, and I got up And uh, walking around the house, I walked by the front door and I looked out on the front stoop for some reason. I don't know why. I looked out on the front stoop and there were two bags of groceries out on the front stoop. Because it was apparently Scouts Food Collection Day in our community. Didn't know that, but apparently it was. Right? So there's two things of groceries out there. I had no clue about it, but that's what Jill did. Why? Uh, Because quite frankly, she has a much better generous eye than I do. Right? She just got a better generous eye than I do. This is a growing place for me. She just has a better generous eye. But it's looking for that opportunity to just step into this generosity. And that means sacrifice. There's all kinds of examples of it uh, in the Bible, right? Where people just stepped into sacrifice of radical 
generosity. I'm going to just lift up a few for you to show you, to prove it to you. This is what we do, okay? Here's this one here from Mark. It is the anointing of Jesus. Do you remember that story, right? It's before Jesus is, is uh, arrested. He's eating at somebody's house. And in the midst of the whole experience, while he's sitting there, a woman interrupts everything. She comes in with a jar of expensive perfume and ointment, and she anoints Jesus, right? Some people get all upset about that. Why do they get up, all upset about it? Because the ointment that she anoints him is valuable. Now, what we often miss in the story uh, is, what does this mean to the woman? What is the sacrifice that this woman makes? And we don't know much about her. Tradition tells us she was not stepping out of, out of wealth. She was stepping out of a shady, shady lifestyle, right? But what, what, is, what, is, what is the sacrifice of the woman? The text goes on to tell us, right? Notice at the bottom... They complained because it could have been sold for how much? A year's wages. What did she just give away? Radical generosity, right? She just gave up a year's wages. Other people uh, in the early church, they sold land, they sold their houses, they just willingly gave it away because they saw the need of people around them. And so they would sell their house. They'd sell their land. Barnabas. Barnabas is one of them. He had a field. He sold the field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles just because he saw the need that existed. And so he just had this eye for generosity, right? You can go to Mary herself. What did Mary give up? Holy cow. Mary gave up everything. She gave up her dreams. She gave up her future. She gave up everything, right? And said, here am I, Lord, whatever you say, uh, I, I, will, I will do, right? She stepped into absolute sacrifice with her life, and yet when she looked at her life, what did she say? And now, from now on, all generations are going to call me what? She saw this as an incredible blessing, right? Incredible blessing to be able to exercise this radical generosity with her life. Or the widow uh, that gave those couple copper coins, right, at the temple treasury. You probably all know that story, right? Jesus is sitting there. He's, he's watching uh, all the people give their offerings and their gifts. Pharisees are putting in big chunks of dough, right? Uh, and a widow comes along. She puts in just a couple copper coins. And who is it Jesus lifts up? But, of course, the widow put in the copper coins. Why? Why does he lift her up? Not because of the value of the money, but the measure of her sacrifice, right? It's the measure of her sacrifice. All the people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in what? All that she had. What's the measure of her sacrifice? See, the Bible shouts to us again and again and again. You want to, you want to just live this fullness of life just step into sacrifice, right? How many baseball fans we have in the crowd today? Still watching? I was watching up until the Cubs lost the other night, right? Uh, so I got to share with you, there's one thing I don't understand in baseball these days, uh, and that is you got the batter up to the plate and they put on the shift. You're all familiar with the shift, 
right? So the infielders move from one place of their, where they normally would be, and they shift over to get in line with what the usual percentages are of this guy's batting habits, right? Usually he hits the ball over there, so all the infielders move over, and they, they're over here. What that means is, usually if you've got a left-hander, they're all over here, and third base is absolutely empty, right? Now, what do you suppose I'm hollering at the TV? Are you hollering that at the TV? What am I saying? Lay down a bunt! Just sacrifice a bunt over down third base and you get the first base. That's the goal of the whole thing is to get the first base. Just lay down a bunt. Just sacrifice a bunt. Did they ever do it? Why? Why? I don't get it. The goal is to get the first base. Sacrifice the bunt. Problem? We do the same thing in generosity. This, everything I've shared with you this morning, this, this isn't a gospel according to Pastor Bob. This is what Jesus says. This is what he invites you to. This is the, the fullness of life that he wants to bring into your lives. He's just, listen, just sacrifice, would you? Just sacrifice. See what I can do in your life when you just trust me. This is a challenge for us, is to step into sacrifice. Now, in Scripture, there's another story about uh, an owner who gave some resources to some guys and said, here, I'm going to go away to a far country. You manage my stuff. Here's each some some uh, money for each of you. You manage it to my purposes, my good. And I'm going to be back in a while. He comes back. One guy managed it, multiplied it really well. Another guy managed it, did equally pretty good, multiplied it as well. One guy took the money and buried it in the ground. Heard the story? Yeah, he buried it in the ground. Okay, of the three guys, which one does the owner chastise when he comes back and scolds? The guy that buried it in the ground. It did nothing with what the owner had given him to multiply it, right? Now, we often miss in the, in the story is the very end. The owner takes away from the guy that buried it in the ground. He takes that resource away, and he gives it to who? The ones that managed it and multiplied it. It's in the text. For whoever... For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. You see, it's stepping into radical generosity. It's why we talk about it all the time. It's also what Christ Church has experienced over and over and over again in these years, God's radical generosity to us. Here's some examples of it. Uh, from 2006 to 2016, Christ Church in our covenant members. So that's not the total of the people we're influencing, right? But just in our covenant members, we've grown from 198 to 888 people. And keep in mind, we're doing that in a place in the community where there's not rapid growth, right? There's not an explosion of population uh, in, in this area. It's pretty incredible what, what God's been blessing us with. In 2017, we had a Sunday uh, in Adventure Camp, and it wasn't Easter and Christmas, right? We don't have Adventure Camp then. We had a Sunday, regular Sunday, we had 131 uh, young people 
uh, from infants through fifth grade in our Sunday morning children's program. Awesome. That's incredible, people. 131 people. This service, this 915 service, you're starting to feel a little crowded, aren't you? If you look around, you see it some Sundays where people will come in late and uh, they'll come in late, right? And then they have to crawl over people to get, get a seat. That's really uncomfortable for people that, that says, uh, yeah, maybe I won't go back next Sunday. Well, here's why. Because at this service, in 2014, we had 13 services for the year that had 70% capacity. Today, we got more than that probably in the room, okay? Had 70% capacity. In 2016, we had 31 of those Sundays. We had 31 of those Sundays. This is filling up, right? God is just doing great things for us, right? And in 2016, this is my favorite, we had 45 baptisms, and some of them were adults. Would you agree God is doing great things at Christ Church? Here's the problem. He wants to do more. He wants to do more. He wants to do more. This is his nature, remember? This is what he does. He wants to do more. So, leadership, pastors, we staff, we sat down, we prayed over this, discerned this. You've been hearing about this, greater things. You've been seeing the display. And so, we have put together a generous plan so God can do generous things. That God can do more. And that plan is simply an expansion of our current facility, right? In that expansion, we know these six things are going to happen. We're preparing for God to do more, so we're going to be able to create an opportunity to have more people in worship. We'll now have the opportunity to have three worship services going on at the same time in this new facility. More space for more worship. We're going to renovate the children's ministry area, so when we're done, that whole end of the building, both floors, will be all about kids through fifth grade, right? All about kids, that end of the building. We'll have opportunities for adult teaching, which we really don't have uh, right now. So we can offer medium-sized groups on Sunday morning, teaching environments. Uh, we're going to have a giant atrium for more people to meet each other, interact with each other, develop your group, meet your small group, do the stuff that you do. Uh, and we'll have some administrative space, some volunteer space. And all of that is being done with the plan and the idea that God will do more. So we'll have everything we need for ultimately God to build a 1,200-seat worship room in phase number three. So we're really planning for God's generosity. Here's what it looks like. Can't spend a lot of time on it, but there's what it looks like, right? Here is our current building. There's our current building. And so it'll be another youth room, which will also be another uh, worship room, chapel, which will be a worship space and a teaching space, a giant atrium for us to be able to meet people, socialize, invite people, uh, small group rooms, some office space, kind of get the gist of it, right? That's what we're doing. Second floor also uh, renovated. Why? Because we really believe God's going to do more. And uh, our vision is that there's at least 8,000 people that we can influence in this area for Christ. Uh, Why 8,000? Wow, it seems like a lot. Not really. There's about 42,000 people in Ozaki County that don't know Jesus or aren't going to his church. That's Miller Park, by the way, in case you didn't wonder. That, that represents the number of people in Ozaki County that don't know Jesus or aren't, aren't uh, a part of a church somewhere, right? So we know God can do uh, more. And so we're going to ask you this morning 
to step into sacrifice, right? Just sacrifice. Step into sacrifice. Above and beyond your tithe, that's the starting point. Step into sacrifice so that we can create this space. But it's not just about the space. When you see the pictures of the building or the floor plan, don't think about it as a building. Think about the people that are going to walk into that space. What we're building is the opportunity for God to do more with broken people who are going to walk into that atrium and be greeted and say, God loves you and God has more for your life. Right? It's about more of what he can do in a chapel space where somebody may be hearing teaching from the Scripture for the first time in their life. It's about more about what a youth space or a worship space can do when we can teach young people to stand up for Jesus in the school every day, right? So think about the sacrifice, not about just bricks and mortar, but it's about the more we can do to help people get their lives lifted and elevated by knowing Christ. It's the same thing, if you're a Christ follower already, that we have experienced. Because we just believe God is ready to do more. He promises it in John. He says the harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit of their harvest is people are brought to what? Eternal life, right? There's people we need to reach. We just need to reach them. And it's going to be fun. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester? This is going to be great joy for us as we walk this together. But it's going to take trusting God and stepping into sacrifice. So we're going to pause uh, now, and uh, at the end of the aisles, we've done this before, at the end of this aisle, that aisle, at the end of that aisle over there, uh, there's little baskets. In the baskets, there's commitment cards, there's pencils. Uh, pass them on down the line, if you would. Uh, take a commitment card. We want to ask a couple things of you this morning. Uh, one is if God's already put it on your heart of the sacrifice uh, you need to make, uh, go ahead and fill out that commitment card, would you? Just go ahead and fill that out. Uh, put it in the offering plate when it's offering time. If you want, just fold it in half, stick it in your offering envelope. That's fine. Uh, if you're not ready to make that commitment yet, if you're still wrestling with God about what that sacrifice looks like for you, for your family, that's okay. Uh, take, take the card home with you. Talk about it. Pray about it together. Uh, but over the next two weeks, we'll be collecting uh, those uh, commitment cards. Okay? So we're just going to give you some time now. Uh, to go ahead and just kind of pray over that, talk with God for a little bit uh, as the band uh, plays some music.